All right. Good morning. This is Dan Margulies filling in for Rabbi Linzer while he's away. Today is the 10th of Adar, and it is March 19th? 20th. 20th. I always miss a day with Shabbos, I don't think about the date. And we are going to start on the bottom of Chalem Udbet. I just wanted to make one mention to Atosos Rid from yesterday, very relevant to some of these questions we've had about sort of the sarcastic refusal that suppose the man suggests to the woman, here, be married to me with this 100 dinars, and she says, put it on a rock. So the Tosos Rid, on Cherem Bet, he says, And the Tosos Rid goes into this whole discussion about the psychology and some of the uh, sarcasm involved. So I think it's an important uh, source to, to take a look at later, if you have the time, uh, right at the last Tosos Rid on Cherem Bet. Um, I, I, when I've studied Masachet Kedushin, which admittedly is not often enough, uh, I have found that the Tosus Rid is one of my best friends uh, moving forward. He has very creative and interesting ideas, and it's always worthwhile to take a look there, uh, just because he has a different... The woman was... She gets paid. What she can do with the money, whatever she wants. That's, of course, if it's her money, that's exactly the hava mean in the Gemara. She can spend the money right away. Exactly. Nothing. Of course, why not? That's the best way to demonstrate that she accepted it. So getting a divorce later has nothing to do with whether or not she accepted to be married now. He do not get back anymore the money. He wouldn't get back the money, that's correct. So, and obviously the Kirushin money. You give a girl a ring. Yeah. And you break up. Well, it depends. You know, what we talk about now with engagement rings and things like that doesn't necessarily have such a clear halachic basis. We'll see a little bit about it today in the Gemara, actually. Um, But certainly the money given for Kiddushin is understood very clearly to be a full, wholehearted gift to the woman, even if the marriage ends up breaking off. Well, that would be a good idea, too. Uh, okay, so let's start just from the uh, last few lines of Chana Mudbet. Uh, we had just talked about the case where the dog was chasing after the woman, and she suggested to the man, give the bread to the dog in order to distract the dog so the dog does not bite her. And that case was uh, left as a teku by Rav Mary. And now we have another case. So the man says, be married to me with this loaf of bread. And the woman says, give it to this poor person who's sitting here. Okay? She is not married to him. Even if it is a poor person who regularly relies on tzedakah that she gives him. Interesting to note that Halakha does give a significance to the fact that often the local poor of a community are supported by particular people and that that often gives a sort of a precedence or a preference for who is going to be giving tzedakah to that person and, and it's sort of almost considered to be uh, an obligation to a certain extent and nonetheless that is not considered to be uh, enough reason for it to be considered that she's accepting the money from him to give to the poor person rather that's a way of rejecting it what's the reason Anna, just from the fact that I'm obligated myself to support him, so, so too, you're also obligated, meaning we each have the same obligation to give tzedakah. The fact that I'm asking you, the fact that she asks the man to give the bread to the poor person means she's rejecting kiddushin. She's saying, just like I support him, you should be supporting the poor. Also, don't get married to me. So that's her way of rejecting it. There was a man who was selling uh, buttons or, or some kind of trinkets. Rashi says, buttons. Um, it's interesting piece of trivia. Why did Napoleon lose in Russia? It has to do with chemistry. So that's why I know. The Napoleon's soldiers had tin buttons. And when the temperature drops, tin goes through a chemical change from one allotropic form to another. And what's called brittle tin or tin disease, when tin is exposed to cold temperatures for a long time, and the buttons fell off his army jackets, and they got cold. They froze because the jackets wouldn't close. So it's just an interesting point. Rashi talks about buttons sha'osin shel bedil, the first, uh, first Rashi on Tad So if you make tin buttons, which is very common, you can have some problems in the winter. So that's why it's cold in the room now. 
That is why it is called in this room now, exactly. Paying to free someone? I mean, to, for, uh, you know, save someone's life. Say someone's life. Well, that was the case we ended with yesterday. Oh, so just to say that there, there's a, toast, a number of toasts in actually that discuss that case exactly, which is that suppose there's a possibility. Uh, this is the case of are you obligated or if you use someone else's money to save your own life, do you have to pay it back or not? This is Tosus' question because Tosus says, look, I understand that it, we say Yaharik Val Yavor about saving a life, right? Saving a person's life is obviously supersedes basically every other mitzvah in the Torah except for and So obviously stealing should be superseded by the need to save your life. Ah, so that's exactly the question. And that's the Machlokas Rishonim, which is that if you need to steal money in order to save your life, for example, you know, the classic story, you know, oh, would you steal a loaf of bread to save your starving family? So, in such a case, Tosos at least entertains the notion that maybe in such a case a person would actually not need to pay back, or perhaps you would need to pay it back. It's just that your putter from the prohibition of stealing, but that doesn't remove the monetary aspect of stealing or not. So that's a, an extensive discussion in the Rishonim and Achronim. But here, why would anyone say that? Because if the prohibition of theft has been overridden, then you're off the hook. You needed this bread to survive. You need the bread to survive. Now you're not starving anymore. Okay, don't steal anymore. But you wouldn't have any any financial obligation at that point. You're going to ask somebody who was so poor they couldn't afford food that now that they had to steal food and now how are they even going to pay it back? So I think it's also two different cases, right? One is a person who is in general very, very poor and is starving to death or one is a case where a person is, you know, needs a certain medication and tries to steal the medication or something like that. That's a kind of a different thing. Uh, there's a lot more to be said about that, especially in modern healthcare uh, healthcare climate uh, to be yeah, talked about uh, right well exactly we have to continue with the daf it's an interesting question okay so how who covered the comments he was selling the the um, um, tin buttons this woman came over to him Amarale, she says to him give me one bead or one button Amarla, or one necklace of the buttons perhaps uh, okay if I give it to you will you be married to me Amarale, give it give it with a double lashon she just says give it to me so is that her saying yes I'm agreeing to marry you or is it her saying I don't want to marry you give it to me anyway yeah. no so if you say it with a double lashon it does not count if she just would have said it with a single lashon it would count we're going to see it's going to come up so okay there was a man who was drinking wine in the shuk and the woman came up to him give me a cup of wine one cup of wine if I give it to you you will be married to me just let me drink the wine with a double ashon again and if you say it with a double ashon it doesn't count there was a man picking dates off of the tree and throwing them down onto the ground that's how they would harvest the dates the woman came send me down throw me down two dates interesting why she says two dates and not one date like the rest of the uh cases were one each of the thing one necklace one cup of wine here's two dates maybe the price of dates was so low it has to be Shabbat Pruta or one date wouldn't fill her up it's interesting what's the minimal amount of food for eating on Yom HaKippurim that we say Kotevet HaGasa a big a big Kotevet okay so it's an interesting question okay if I give it to you will you be married to me throw it down to me and if you just say throw it down throw it down with the double ashon that does not count so they ask back if you say it with a single ashon exactly Michael's question if you say with just a single ashon would that work Ravina says yes and it's the machlokas because Rav Sama Barakta says, "I swear by the crown of the king, she's not married." You don't see that too often. You don't you see it too often. Like, you swear by God, like you know. But for sure, they usually say Hi Elohim. It's interesting to note Rabbeinu Hananel that's quoted in the Rashba says Taged Demalka means even if she if he would have given her Taged Demalka, the crown of the king, such a high value object. 
she would not marry him in this context because the way she's agreeing to it, she's not really agreeing to it. So, but that's a machlokis amuraim. So why is this like interesting? This is sort of idiomatically. It's an interesting idiom. It's a very interesting idiom. I don't know. You don't, you don't see it so often. Yeah, that's why Rashi explains it. Okay. Is it better to say that than say like God? By God? I mean. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's the same thing. The the milk. I don't know if you live in a place with a king, so you swear by the king's the king's crown just as much. Okay. Right. Every time you would say this very specific case, exactly. Right. It is sort of strange, but it, I think it's to point to a more general understanding of the fact that in those contexts, that is, someone asks for something with no strings attached man responds oh yeah I'll do it if you marry me and she's refusing that's really the point okay and now we end with Hilchata for all the sugas that we've just seen in the case of this case remember we had a machlokas between Rabbah and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yosef said that a silk a piece of silk that used to get married would require an assessment of its value and Rabbah said no Rashi says reminds us of what we're talking about Rabbi Eliezer was talking about the case where he said that was yesterday that is you promised to pay 100 dinars for the marriage and you only gave her one so it is, she is Mikudeshe but you have to pay the rest and the Hilchata Kirava Amar Rav Nachman the case of Rav Amar Nachman that was talking about the case of the Mashko and the man says I'm going to give you a hundred dinars and he doesn't give her anything but he gives her his watch as a collateral and we said Mana Eshk Ein Khan Mashko Ein Khan it's not Kiddushin because neither the Mashko nor the case of Kiddushin were actually given to her yes so if the Kalach is that the Tira Yenitzi Hashumah then how come some people say like oh you shouldn't use like the diamond ring on the Ah Tosfos so this is our big Tosfos right here the Hilchata and the Ri exactly asked that question which is that we use a wedding ring and the Ri tries to distinguish between the notion of if you look down I think it's about 15 lines down or so in the Tosos um Yes, right where the Tosus Riazakin is, the Omer Rabbeinu Tam, the Atala Ashmin, and the Davka Shirai who delotes Richeshuma. It's just silk that doesn't need assessment. Lefi Shishumatan Yadua. People are relatively familiar with the value of silk. The Ein Regilin Lit Osbo Kolkach. People don't make such big errors. Aval Shard Varim Kigon Avanim Tovot Umargaliochi Ish Sheinam Tovos Elamat. There are precious stones that really aren't such precious stones. You could imagine a cubic zirconia or some kind of a, a rock that was found on the street that was polished up very nice would still look very nice yeah, in a ring. Give your wife a diamond ring under the hoop, but you know it's expensive. Okay, so this is exactly the objection that develops in uh, Tosfos. This Tosfos is the source for the questioning the notion of even though we say Shirai ain't a Shuma, nonetheless, by other things which are even harder to know their value, perhaps there's room to be worried about that even. And the fact is, even with the silk, maybe there, you should say we should be machmir anyway, even if it works. Well, what's the problem? Well, what's like, the problem? Exactly. But remember what, what, so we're of Yosef's position that the problem of Shavek Kesef is that it's not kites, that is, it's not well-defined what portion or what piece of it is actually worth the Shvepruta by Shvepruta. It can't be subdivided in a clear way. So you would say if we don't paskin by Rav Yosef, it shouldn't be a problem at all, but of course Tosfos want to bring us back in. Perhaps it has to do with the symbolic value that we, has become attached to using a ring, especially in Ashkenazi communities. That is a variety of nice symbolisms around using a ring. A ring is a link in the chain going back to, to Rivka Imenu who used the, got married with rings. It goes back to the notion of that marriage is a wholeness between two different people. There's a lot of symbolism that has become attached to rings and therefore, uh, you know, part of this discussion here is we use a ring but we use a plain ring we don't use a ring that has a stone in it that's this Tosfos okay let's continue with the next Sugyiv and this now for the time being at least we're done with Kiddushay Kesef and the Gemara asks Tan Rabbanan Bishtar Ketzad how do you get married using a Shtar Kiddushin so, I, I still just want to make sure I understood it so, yeah. so, so, the, so the issue is you know it's worth quite a lot of money um, so you're saying that she, and everyone knows at least the ring or and or, and the diamond in it or whatever right. it is, each worth at least a puta. Right. So nevertheless, like what she's thinking, it's worth more. So so that's the later. So that's the a, that's the notion that's introduced later. Again, it's not actually what Rav Yosef said, but the notion that if it's something that's worth significantly less than what she thinks it's worth, even if it's still worth more than a pruta, the woman 
would, would come back and say, I only accepted it on the condition that it was worth the X, Y, Z. But if he tells her in the Chupa, all right, it's worth the Puta. Right, so, and that's how we get around it in cases where we need to. But the rec- right? you could, the recommendation. And we're going to see other sugyas that talk about ways of getting marriage which are not recommended but technically work and, and it becomes more sticky like you said like I said yesterday uh, you know people who learn Masachas Kiddushin shouldn't go and get married right afterwards because you get all sorts of uh, crazy ideas in your head uh, you know you should do it the right way but if you want to talk about you know in any case where a couple is really hard set on using a certain ring there are certainly ways to make it work uh, I heard a case actually it was uh, uh, one of the uh, rabbis uh, who graduated from Chove a few years ago so he said that he was Masada Kiddushin for his brother's wedding and his brother is kind of like a hippie crunchy granola type of person and wanted to buy his wife for Kesef Kiddushin a new bicycle a new bicycle is a few hundred dollars but he said like come on new like you want to give her the bicycle as a gift fine but like we, we get married with the ring that's how we do it so just an interesting thing to consider that frankly she would know how much the bike costs he bought it it's really his she, he's giving it to her it's a real but it also reinforces the sort of strange kind of transactional uh, aspect of the Kiddushin rather than the more sort of formalized idea of just a, uh, a simple transfer. So that's the problem Toto says, but it's really not a problem what we're raising? It's really not a problem. Meaning, fundamentally, if you ask me by the end of the day, you give something of value, it's worth more than Shreputa, and you both agree, and the Adim knew about it, and everybody knew, it, knew about it, there, there can't be anything wrong with that at a fundamental level. So, but yet we make a problem. We make a problem about it because we do things a certain way. We can talk about that more later. Okay, Tanar Rabbanan, Bishtar Ketzad. How do you use Kiddushay Shtar? As Rabbi Linzer noted in the first year, Kiddushay Shtar probably was never really practiced. So some of these halachot are not well developed. You'll see that the shtar sugya is relatively short. How do you write a shtar kiddushin? You write on either a piece of paper or even an ostracon, a shard of pottery. Even a what? An ostracon, a piece of broken pottery that was used for writing in the ancient Near East. There is. It's a nice Greek word. Even though it is worth less than a pruta. That is, you could use a piece of cheres, a totally worthless uh, piece of broken pottery. Even if it's a tree that's attached to the ground, right? Ah, so a tree attached to the ground is a machlokas rishonim. Because we note the machlokas between the Bal Ha'itzer and the Rashba about whether how much do we equate Shtar Kiddushin with, the, with, with a get and so because a get cannot be written on Mechubar the Bal Ha'itzer also says that a no because their Machloket is actually about about um, for Kesef Kiddushin actually they both agree that a Shtar Kiddushin could not be written on Mechubar but let's go back to it we'll see the Hekesh Havai in just a moment so what do you write on the Shtar Bitcha Mekudeshetli Bitcha Meuresetli Bitcha into your daughter is married to me three different ways ah so it's very interesting that at least the first Brite that's quoted is written between the husband and the father it's interesting to note the Brite that we had from the Tosefta about Kesef Kiddushin focuses on the man and the woman interacting together that is when the woman is an adult and getting married and here we have a notion of a child marriage perhaps one was more preferable than the other for either context or perhaps it was just how the Brighton was recorded it's interesting to note how is the Mikudesh Makifla Rabbi Zeira Rabbi Zeira had a question Rabbi Zeira Bar Memel Ha lo dummy hai shtara li shtar zvini this shtar that is shtar kiddushin is not similar to a shtar of sale that is when you buy a piece of land how do you write the shtar the owner of the shtar writes sadi mechuralacha my field is sold to you and he gives you the star, and that's the way the Kenyan works. Kenyan star for buying well, a field. How much it is too, doesn't You could include all sorts of things besides that. So the point is to note that the action of giving the star in purchasing a field is that the owner transfers the star, and the, that's a deed of ownership. That means whoever's holding the star owns the field. That makes sense. Star kedushin. You're gaining the title. Exactly. That's the way we think about it now. That's the way they thought about it back then. Shtar Kiddushin works very differently. Shtar Kiddushin is exchanged in a certain sense. That is, we don't want to speak in such crude terms, but in a certain sense, the woman or her father is transferring control in some sense, is, is compared to the seller of the field. And nonetheless, it's the husband who writes the shtar and gives the shtar in as similar to the kesef Kenyan for Kesef Kiddushin as well. So that directionality is reversed between Kiddushin and uh, purchase. Interestingly enough, that highlights the fact that what's actually being done here is not a, a woman being sold along with a deed that tells you 
now you own this woman, obviously not. What's happening is very similar to Kesef Kiddushin, that is, there's some kind of an exchange. In this case, the Shtar Kiddushin is a very formalized technical process, that is, it doesn't even have any value. The way it works is because it's written on it, Hareat Mikudashedli. And that's all it is. We saw the machokas between the first Rashi on Daf Beramudalf and the Rashi in the Rif um, about whether you even need to say any words when you give a Shtar Kiddushin, because perhaps the fact that the words are written down in the Shtar already you don't need to say anything or not. So that's an interesting discussion as well. It's not even a Sokin Baoto Inyan. It's whether Shtar is an embodied form of the Amira or not. So by Kesef, Kiddushay Kesef, you have to say, Harayat Mikudashad Libet Habadzu, with the Shtar Kiddushin, perhaps you don't have to say Harayat Mikudashad Li because it already says Harayat Mikudashad Li in the Shtar. Um, one other point is that the Rashba objects to this Brita, and the Rashba says, this Brita is written in shorthand. Obviously, you can't just write Harayat Mikudashad Li on a piece of pottery and give it to a woman, and that works for Kiddushin. Why not? Because what kind of a Shtar is that? A Shtar has the date, a Shtar has the names, a Shtar has well, the place. You, but this is with the Shtar with the Mecher. You usually would have the money in Okay, so the point, and the Shtar Mecher usually would have all sorts of other things in it as well, and a, shtar, and a divorce certainly. So the Rashba's objection is that, that is, Shtar Kiddushin must have the names particular, and the Ritva disagrees, and from many of the other Rishonim as well, it sounds like it's a much more abstract notion of a Shtar. That is, it's a piece of something that has the words written on it, and that's enough to make it a Shtar. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. So let's just see, okay? So the difference between a Shtar Kiddushin and a Shtar Zvinei, in that case, in purchasing a field, the seller writes, My field is sold to you. Here, the husband writes, Your daughter is married to me. So the directionality is... How does that work? Why would it work? Exactly. He's not saying it should be the other way around. Right, he's just saying, I'm noting the fact that this is odd to a certain extent. That is, if we... In Matkif, he is challenging the notion of the Brisa, and Rava defends it very well. Each of them is based on a Pasuk. So we're going to see. So where you sell a piece of your ancestral lands, the Torah cares, in the case of selling land, about the seller of the field. Okay. So if the husband is the one doing the marital act, so, we care about the husband's action. So here it's the husband who writes the star, and there it's the seller of the field who writes the star. So the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu, interestingly enough, we're quoting Tukim from Parshish Bahar, and we're quoting the Haftarah from Parshish Bahar. Um, so, you, uh, fields are bought with money. Interesting, of course, that it says with money and not... Uh, with the star, uh, the star is also mentioned in the haftar there as well. But here, uh, it sounds like the buyer of the field has a certain standing as well, a legal standing. So karibe yaknu, not buy. You buy fields with money. Actually, you sell fields with money. You read it with different vowels. My time a karibe yaknu. Why should you read it as yaknu? Mishum umachar because we already had the notion from the pasuk in the Torah that says that you should that you sell the field. Hachanami karibe ki. Yukach. Maybe you should say when a, a woman is is taken and not um, when a man takes a wife. So and we this has to be rejected. Because that's based on the other pasuk we know from um, in the case of Moti Shemra that in Moti Shemra the father defends uh, his daughter and himself by saying et It sounds like it's the father who gives the daughter over rather than the husband who who takes the daughter. And so this is left unresolved. Ella Amarava, Hilchataninhu, it's Halakhlamoshim Sinai, Vasmechinhu Rabbanan Akrai, and it was just connected to the Psukim later as a mnemonic, but actually it's Halakhlamoshim Sinai. Tosfos has a problem. Tosfos says it can't be that both are Halakhlamoshim Sinai, because, of course, the Pasuk for buying a field works perfectly. So Tosfos says it's only the Shtar Kedushin, the directionality of Shtar Kedushin is learned out Halakhlamoshim Sinai. <coughs> Interesting to note, remember, the Rambam's classification of what is halacha l'moshimisinai different from perushim hamikubalim in pimoshe rabenu? Is that the quality of halacha l'moshimisinai means it's something which a person could never figure out by by reading the psukim and using deductive powers? That is, 
for the most part, entirely arbitrary halachot. The fact that the minimal size for eating is a kazait is halachal moshimisinai. The size of 40 saf for a mikveh is halachal moshimisinai. Things like that, rather than something that you could eventually figure out. Like, pre hadar is an etrog, is perushim hamikubali mipimosh rabbeinu. If it were lost, there would be a way to figure it out, rather than halachal moshimisinai. So that's just an interesting... Is the whole idea of using a star is halachal No. Remember, we saw that the notion of using a star is learned out from hekish. The problem is, how do we know who writes the star? Is it the the seller, so to speak, or the buyer who, who writes the star. I, I hate to use such crude terms, it's just more convenient than uh, uh, speaking circuitously. Okay. So what about the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu that says, I took the book of sale, that is, the person who, in this case it was Yirmiyahu, Yirmiyahu took the, he was buying his uncle's field. Hanamel. Yirmiyahu is buying his uncle's field in Anatot. It's interesting, of course, Yirmiyahu's whole life story. He grew up in the countryside and he goes to Yerushalayim. So he has to, part of this whole nevuah was he goes back to his uh, countryside home, to Anatot, and he's there and his uncle is selling this field and Yirmiyahu publicly buys the field to demonstrate, don't worry, people shouldn't be uh, selling their property in the fear that they're going to be exiled and they'll never come back. Rather, people should hold on to their property, even, or keep it in the family at least, in order to demonstrate, yes, there will be an exile but we're coming back. So it's a very, very important message of hope at the time of the at the time of the first first Hurba. He wrote it on a paper or on a piece of pottery. Midaato. So, if, and this is a case of a girl who is less than 12 years old, if he wrote on the star, your daughter is married to me, and then he gave that star either to the daughter who is less than 12 years old or to her father, it sounds like, that would work for Kedushin. Midda'ato, uh, with the father's da'at. That is, as we saw Tosfos a few dafim ago already, notes the fact that when a father is marrying off his minor daughter, the das, the primary legal standing, is the father's. And it's not somehow that the father is a stand-in for his daughter. It's actually a totally different mechanism of kedushin that goes through the father. Okay, so it has to be with his das. bagra. That's when she has not yet come of age. If he writes, you are married to me, then he gives it to her or he gives it to her father. With her consent, with her will, the who shabagra, and that's in a case where she has come of age. That is, she's older than twelve and a half. We know that between the age of twelve and twelve and a half, both of them could accept kedushin. Let's pause for a moment and note the fact that this text is problematic because it sounds like the father could accept kedushin for her after she's become bogeret. That is, after the age of twelve and a half. And other source, other uh, bright note in this gemara note that that would not work. So all the rishonim here note that this means. Obviously, uh, it must be that midda'ata means that she has appointed her father to be a shaliach kabbalah on her behalf. Other, if she had not appointed him to be a shaliach, it wouldn't work. So um, mother has nothing what to say. Hmm? We're going to get to the shiruchim is going to come up on the next amud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, part of the discussion there is going to come up very soon. So we just got through the next part. Uh, and this, yeah. So this. But what I found interesting is, Sophie said, okay, the, we're getting back to the Yikahu class, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's no, no, no. really it's, uh, they're talking about So does that mean that no, then it really is based on Sukkim? And so but that was Ibai's Ema. So how do you read Ibai's Ema when the notion of using Sukkim has been rejected? Perhaps you'll say, yeah. Really, we just say it's Vaikacha Sefer Amikna. It depends on the Girsa. It depends on who, you're, who you read like. It's more complicated. It's a very, very interesting paradigm. Right? Yeah, I just, it is. It's like Midrash almost. Or, yes. you know, or, or not. No, yeah, that's true. Or, Certainly true. It's a polar opposites, for sure. 100%. Also, quoting a Pasuk from Ketuvim kind of puts you into the Asmachta category automatically almost. That is, we don't really learn Halacha from Nevi'im and Ketuvim so much. Whenever we're learning halacha from the Vimeng Tuvim, often, at least there are some Rishonim who say this, like, look, it's an Asmachta. It's always going to be an Asmachta if it's Nevimeng Tuvim. Nevimeng Tuvim aren't sources of law in the same way, right? A later Navi, besides Moshe Rabbeinu, comes up and tries to tell you the halacha. If he's a Talmud Chacham, he can tell you halacha because he's a Talmud Chacham. And there's an extensive discussion in the Rambam. Uh, the Rambam says, fine, most of the Nevim were also on the Sanhedrin in their time, but it doesn't mean that, that, um, they have, that the Nevuah has a legal power in any sense. It's just a, it's, it's, 
story. It's a story about buying something. So right. it's informative in it's a sense of how do you buy a field. Right. Exactly. Right. He's telling you what does it mean for me at a time of exile to be buying a field. Exactly. Right. Uh, it's worth looking into. You know, that part of your Miyahu I find is, you know, your Miyahu is worth reading through. Uh, okay. So, Bairi Bishimim Ben Lakish. And now we're going to get introduced to a Machlokas, which is going to come up again on Daf Mem Dalit in about a month. Uh, which is machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish about how much do we say hekesh uh, That is, how much do we connect the process of marriage to the process of divorce? Or would we rather compare process of marriage to other mechanisms of marriage? That is, is shtar kiddushin more similar to kasef kiddushin or is shtar kiddushin more similar to a shtar gerushin? That is, again, that's our question. To what is it most similar? Is it most similar to the process of getting divorced using a shtar? It's the same object to a certain extent, or is it a process of getting married, and that's what it should be compared to? So by Rabbi Shimon Lakish, it was also discussed by the Dinare as well. It's going to be a major theme throughout the Masechta to a certain extent, which is when we're and and that it has major implication for understanding Gerushin. Is Gerushin an unraveling or an undoing of Kiddushin? Is it the opposite of Kiddushin, or is it some new process? Right. Remember that when a woman gets divorced, it's not a revert she doesn't revert back to her pre-marital state. She has a halachic status as someone who has been divorced. That means it was a transfer from stage one, stage two, and now to stage three. It's not really going back to stage one when she gets divorced. In some ways it is, in terms of the truma thing, if she's living... Well, in terms of truma, yes, but in terms of being able to marry a Kohen, no. So there are certain important nafkaminas there about what it means to be divorced. So, Bayram Shem Melakish, Rish Lakish asked, Shtar Erusin, Shekitavo Shelo Lishma. What if you wrote a Shtar Erusin, a Shtar Kedushin, not Lishma? We know that a get has to be written Lishma, has to be written for the sake of this particular woman to get divorced, obviously, and that's part of how we know that the get needs to have the names as well, and it has to have a certain ex- explicit intent on the part of the sofa and all sorts of other things. So what about Shtar Kiddushin? Shtar Kiddushin already sounds somehow mo- much more uh, informal than a get, just the way the Gemara has been describing it. So Shtar Erisin Shkedavoshil Shema Mahu. Which means what? Which means what? Which means, is it more similar to Ketav Kiddushin, which of course doesn't need any Lishma at all, or does it need to be lishma, just like a get. No, that no, is meaning that like you wrote it for. I, I wrote. You put in a name. You don't put the name. You just you're you're the sofer and you just sit there writing hariat mikudashetli hariat mikudashetli hariat mikudashetli fifty shtar kiddushins and you sell them for sale in your safra's shop and everyone comes and buys a shtar kiddushin that wasn't written lishma. That's what it is, right? But so like, mahu. You put like the mishloach on over. Don't say who it's for. Right? <laughs> uh, something like that. Okay. Mahu. Havayos liyotzios makshinan. Do we make a hekesh between havayos liyotzios? That is between marriage and divorce. Ma lishma, just like a get requires lishma. Ah, lishma. So too, marriage or star kiddush in particular should require to be written lishma. Odilma maybe havayos lehadari makshinan. We connect different processes of marriage to each other. Ma havaya de kesef lo lishma. Money that is used for marriage does not need to be lishma. How how could you make money lishma anyway? Would you mint the coins lishem kiddush? It doesn't even make sense really to discuss. So kesef lo lishma. Af havaya de star lo so, all, so too, the Shtar Kiddushin would not need to be written Lishma. After he asked the question, Reish Lakish answered his own question. And we see that Reish Lakish is very much the champion of the notion. Kiddushin and Gerushin are intrinsically, deeply connected, and we learn many halachos one from the other. Rabbi Yochanan, to a certain extent, is going to reject that. I'm Daf Memdalad. But Reish Lakish says, The, uh, the Gemara in Memdalad has a colorful story. Uh, Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan had this machlokas, and uh, someone was absent. Now I forget which of the Amorim wasn't there, but he comes back and says, So what happened in the Beth Madrash today? And he says, Oh, Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan had machlokas, and Rabbi Yochanan and all the Chachamim said, We don't hold by Hekesh Havayelitia, and Reish Lakish got up and started screaming, He was squawking like a goose. So Rish Lakish very much uh, invested in this notion of marriage and divorce, and Rabbi Yochanan much less so. But, so he's the only one that's quoted here. So right, so this Gemara, we paskin, at least in this halacha, it sounds like we paskin by Rish Lakish. Later on, there's going to be another case where we don't take it so far. Everyone agrees to the notion of Hekesh Havayel Yitzia. Obviously, to a certain extent, that's how we learn the entire institution of Shtar Kedushin. The question is then, how much does it have to be similar to a get? 
or not. So it means you have to put in the dates and the names. Well, or not. Or does it need to be Lishma or not? And that's this Rash, Rashba and Ritva Machloket. And that's the Machloket between the Baal Ha'itzer and the Rashba. All these other questions about how connected is a Shtar Kedushin to Shtar Erushin or not is exactly related to this question. Is Hekesh Havayi a full equation or not? And again, because none of this was ever really Halach Lamaisa, it never really got Paskin in a solid way. How are we really Paskining in terms of Shtar Kedushin because no one uses Shtar Kedushin. So someone would use Shtar Kedushin today. It would be problematic because a lot of these halachas are not fully fleshed out in the in the. Look, ah, so this is important, and now we have to take a look. Which is, if we take a look in the riff, if anyone has a riff, it's very important. It's one line, so if you don't have a riff, you don't have to. But if you take a look in your riff on page, it's I think it's on bed. I'm a bed. No, Aleph on the bed. Aleph on the bed in the riff. Where he's talking about what does it mean? Bishtar min alan dechtibi atzav ha'ita makish havi liyatia ma'alitia bishtar atavaya bishtar Yerushalmi hada detema bishtar she'ein bo shvet pruta. The Yerushalmi says we're talking about only a star that is itself not worth shvet pruta. Aval im yesh bo shvet pruta kesefu. As soon as the star is actually worth a shvet pruta, which is not very much anyway. If the star has a value, it works as Kesef Kedushin, even if you're trying to use it as star Kedushin. That's what it sounds like from that Yerushalmi. And the Rift passing by it. So the, the Nafkamina is very narrow. That is, if you are using Davka a star, which you think is a kosher star, which somebody else probably thinks is a puzzle star, and there is less than Shvepruta. That's the only way where we would have a problem of using a star Kedushin, which would be very rare anyway. The so star Kedushin, if it's written on a nice piece of paper, whatever, or you hired the software to write it, it's worth more than a Shvepruta. It looks nice, you're done, right? It's worth Shvepruta, it's going to work as Kassif Kiddushin anyway. So you got like one of these loosely papers. A loosely paper, even one slice of loosely paper. I don't know, it's pretty close. I don't so know. What are you going to do with it? I mean, like, you know, what are you going to do with it? It's a good question. Look, that's part of the question. That's why the whole intrinsic value of Shtar Kedushin, Shtar doesn't have Hana. We saw, right? Bia and Kesef, Hana, Tan, Meruba, they have Hana involved. Shtar does not. Uh, and that's part of it. Uh, Rebbe Chana Wasserman has a point about the who writes the Shtar to note also that uh, part of the question is who, is who is the major actor here? Are we talking about the mischayev, the person who is obligating themselves in obligations through which this process takes place? That's the woman in this case, right? Do you need the, to write the Shtar with Das HaMitzchayev, or do you need to write the Shtar with Das Balashtar, who's the one writing the Shtar, giving the Shtar? So because of the role reversal with uh, Shtar Kedushin that we saw, that it's the husband who writes the Shtar and not the woman or her father, then there's a bit of a, a, divi- a bifurcation of the roles of the Mitzchayev and the Baal HaShtar that causes some interesting questions to come up. So let's take a look here. The next part. What if it was written Lishma? This is talking in this case about a star Kiddushin. If it was written Lishma, the Shalomidata. It was not written with her knowledge or her consent. Rava Veravina Amre Mekudeshet. We just had that before. I mean, I mean, instead of an olive. So to the father, gets it to her. Okay, so but uh, but we said it works if it was midata. If it works, if she ag- agrees to accept it. What if what if she did not know about this star yet? She only ha- will agree to it by the time she comes into her hand. But the husband went and secretly wrote the star without asking her first, and now. He has a star that was written Shalomidata, was written without her consent, and he comes to give it to her, and when he, she accepts it, she accepts it con- with consent. But we said this, if it's Midata, then whatever. No, Midata, they are talking about accepting the star. Here we're talking about writing the star. Was the star written with or without her consent? So if she did not consent or did not even know about the writing of the star, that's the question. Rava Ravina Amre Mikudeshet. Rava and Ravina say it does work. Rapapa Varav Sharavya Amre Eina Mikudeshet. So we have Machokis Amaraim. I'm going to tell you the reason for your own shita, and I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm right. I'm going to tell you your reason first. You think it's because of the hekesh. That is, we connect Shtar Kiddushin to Gerushin. Just like a get can be written Lishma. As long as it's written Lishma, it can be written against the woman's will. She doesn't have to agree to get divorced. So too, a Shtar Kiddushin could be written Lishma for her, but without her knowledge and without her consent. The Ematama Didi, Rav Papa says, I'm going to tell you the reason why I think you're wrong. It's the same thing. We connect marriage to divorce. In the case of divorce, you need the husband's consent because he is the one who is the, the seller. That is, he's 
giving away his wife, he's Megarish, his wife, so two, in the case of marriage, you need the dot, the consent, even to write the star from the one who's doing the quote-unquote selling, which is either the woman or her not father. Money, not what, what do you mean about money? Well, money. She doesn't have to know that he's. She doesn't have to know in advance that he's going to try to, you know, pop the question. With the well, that's exactly the point, which is that kesef kedushin has no connection right. to gerushin almost. Right. When we're talking about star kedushin. Do we say Shtar Kiddushin is connected to Shtar Gerushin? That's the Rashba's Shita. There is the Baal Ha'itzer who thinks that for the reason you couldn't use a piece of land as Kesef Kiddushin would think that even Kesef Kiddushin is connected in some ways to Gerushin, but that's a very minority rejected Shita. It's the Baal Ha'itzer. So... Just so it's to answer this, right? So you have to tell her in advance. Or no, you have to tell her in advance if you're going to go write a Shtar. Yeah. But again, you're not... No one is writing a Shtar Kiddushin. Okay. Make say, Ain kotim Shtar Yerushin benisu in elamidachneim. And this, we have a, even a Bryce that says, in support of Rav Papa, you cannot write a Shtar Kiddushin or a Shtar Nisuin, which refers to the Ketubah, uh, except with the, the uh, knowledge and consent of both parties. That is, monetary contracts generally, of course, you require the dot of both parties involved. Okay. My love, Shtar Yerushin benisuin mamish. Do you really think that Bryce is talking about uh, Shtar Erisin and Shtar Kedushin is a response. This is this brisa doesn't support Rav Papa. Otherwise, how could Rava and Ravina have had their shita if there was this brisa, right? So we have to reject the notion that there's a Tanaitic source in support of Rav Papa. And so we say, my love, Shtar Erisin and Nisuin Mamish Bo Shtar Pesikta. No, we're talking about Shtar Pesikta, which are a star written on the engagement, the terms of engagement. That is how much people are promising to pay for the wedding or the dowry or all sorts of things. And this was we call it tonight. That's what we would call it tonight. Uh, and right, Rashi even used the word Shtari Pesikta Hatanayim Shebenehim Umamon Sheposkin Zelaza. The conditions that they've set up between them and the money that they are exchanging, the different families, how much, who's going to pay for the caterer, who's going to pay for the flowers, who's going to pay for this. So if they would write out a star, now it's important to note, as far as I understand, uh, and I could be wrong about this, but if, if I remember learning, the Rav Soloveitchik in particular was very opposed to the practice of having the Tanayim on the day of the wedding. He says it makes no sense to make a formal legal agreement for something that has already been agreed for and paid for and dealt with already and is totally meaningless just to have kibudim to give out at the wedding. So, um, certainly there are customs in some communities to write a star tonight at the engagement party months before the wedding, but then what if the engagement is broken off? You get into a situation where you have a financial obligation between these well, parties. The point of tonight, exactly. So that's part of the complication, which is that in a case, you know, in a society where our marriages are much less based on finances and much more based on romance, already then you're in a sticky situation if the romance fails then what do you do with the finances if it's really written in a star? So the Tanaim is certainly uh, a nice thing uh, looking back in retrospect, but a, a certain, a certain parts of it don't, don't translate well to modern society. So if the families make a, an agreement uh, about the Tanaim, about their engagement uh, and dowry and things like that, I'm giving this much for your son, I'm giving this much for your daughter. And then if they get up and get married, that is the, the couple ends up getting married, then the chalos of those kinyanim, verbal agreements, even works verbally. That is, the kinyan made by the kiddushin works to cement the obligations made verbally. And that's why we say, hein hein hadvarim haniknin ba'amira. There are very few things in halacha where just saying it obligates you. But this is one of them. Okay. Although nevertheless, our case was writing it down. Yes, but the, in other words, this is just an extension to say, we know of such a concept as engagement agreements. Now, it's interesting to note as well, in the Gemara times, the Kiddushin probably served a role much more similar to our engagement. That is, it was something done months in advance of the quote-unquote wedding celebration. But because of the halachic ramifications of Kiddushin, as is to break it off would require a get, you really are married at the time of Kiddushin, so it became even a practice to have something beforehand already by the time of Rav. Rav made a gzera against people who would get married without quote-unquote shiduche. Whatever shiduche is, it refers to some kind of agreement in advance. It refers to some kind of conditions. So there's a lot going on there as well. Let's try to make a little bit more progress here. I uh, just don't want to leave so, so much for Rebel Linzer to have to catch up tomorrow. Okay, Bibia. Minalan. So how do you get married using a bia? That is, through a sexual act between the man and the wife. This is for Kiddushin. So Minalan, Amarabi Abahu. Sorry, where is it derived from? Minalan, Amarabi Abahu, Amarabi Yochanan, Amarabi Yochanan, Amarabi Yochanan, Amarabi Yochanan, Amarabi Yochanan, Amarabi Yochanan, Am
in the discussion of Narahama Rasa, that is, a woman who was raped after she was Mikudeshe, but before she was Nesua, so in that gap, which nowadays we don't have so much of a gap, but if they had been months in between, if there was a woman who was r- r- raped between the time of Kiddushin and Erosin, that carries a particular... Uh, between Kiddushin and Nisuin, sorry. And uh, the punishment for that is Skila, rather than Chenek, normal... Uh, uh, sex with an Eishet Ish is punished by Chenek, strangulation with the, with the ropes, um, but, um, but uh, Naraha Maurasa is punished with Skila, stoning, so it's a different, a different crime. Worse, so it is worse, so to speak. That Pasuk teaches that he becomes her husband through sex. Are you disagreeing? Do you think it's so disgusting or, or wrong what Rebbe said, Ubala, the Pasuk right talking about marriage, not the, some Pasuk about Abnaraha uh, Marasa. It says, Ki kach ishisha Uvala. So it says, Uvala. That was from Rebbe. Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Nasi said that. So why are you disagreeing with him? If I had learned it just from the Pasuk about Kiddushin, I would have thought you need to do Kiddushin and then have sex just to reach the stage of Kiddushin. That is what? That is, because it says, Kikach ish isha uba'ala. You do both actions. You give her money or a star, and you have sex. So that wouldn't work. That, that's not what we learned. Kamash Malan, and that's why we need to also have the Pasuk Bu'ulat Baal. So how do you know that's not just Nisuin, though, Bu'ulat Baal? Okay, new. <laughs> so they're, they're going to have to have some drusha words about this. Okay. Matkin Baal, meaning the woman... Well, because about Naraha Maurasa, which is a case that we know is before. The Pasuk says, Maurasa ish velo... Oh, no, I forget the Pasuk. I'm sorry. Anyway. Right. We have to make... Yeah. Meaning that the woman, the he he had had with, Baal, with right. her with with the actual husband, and right? Then the, the rapist is the second person, right? And then that's considered to just be a rape of a married woman and right. not right. not right. Right. right? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, sorry. So, kamash malach. Madkid varu yaber memel. Imkain narahma rasa damarachmana beskila. If so, if you're going to tell me that you would have had that Hava Amina that needed to be rejected, that was the Hava Amina that you need to first do what we would call Kiddushin, and you need to have sex in order for it to be Kiddushin, how would you ever have a case of Naraham Arasa from the Torah that Torah gave a special punishment of Skila rather than a Shetish, which is punished with Chenek? How would you have such a case? If you would have done Kiddushin and then had sex, then she's no longer a virgin. She's had sex already, so the punishment would be Chenek anyway. And if you had done Kiyushin but not had sex, then that's also nothing because she's not even Meorasa yet. Okay? Oh, it's a regular rape case. I'm sorry, right. no, but that's the point. Is that Be'ulat Ba'al is referring to a normal case, a normal case of rape. But that's the point. Is that Be'ulat Ba'al? Anyway, the, the point is to say that Be'ulat Baal, he becomes her Baal through uh, Bia. Okay. The Amrua Rabbanan Kameida Abai, Mishkach Allah Kikun Shebaalea Arus. Shelo Kedarka. What if they had had anal sex uh, for the the sexual act of Kiddushin and thus she would still be physically considered to be a virgin and thus she would be allowed she would be able to be considered Narahama Urasa afterwards okay Amar Le'abaya Adkan Lopligi Rebbe V'Rabana El Be'echad Abab uh, it's only if another person uh, had had uh, intercourse with her. Everyone agrees that if the husband has anal sex with her, even though in a certain sense phys- physiologically she would not, she would still be quote unquote a virgin from their perspective about discussing hymenal bleeding and things like that. But nonetheless, they would consider that the husband having a marital act of sex renders her beula, whether it is anal sex or vaginal sex. So Mahi Ditanya Ba Alea Asarana Shimvadain Hibitula, how do we deal then with the case from Sanhedrin? If ten men raped a woman and she could still be a virgin afterwards, that is they are all uh, punished with uh, stoning for being for Narahamarasa, Kulan Baskila, Rebbe Omer Omerani, Harishon Baskila the Kulan Bechenek. So Rebbe disagrees because Rebbe says, no, even if it were by anal sex, the first case would be Narahamarasa, afterwards she would be considered to be a Beula, and then all of the rest would be punishable by Chenek. That is, she's no longer considered to be um, 
a virgin at that case after having had anal sex in even a case of rape. Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak No. What about the alternative case? What if we we were thinking you needed kesef plus bia in order to reach kedushin? But a star? Oh well, a star. Star is strong enough to work on its own. It wouldn't need bia at all. And therefore, you could have a case of narahama rasa and not have to deal with any of this discussion here that we've just had about how much, what kind of sexual act would or would not work for Kiddushin in order to create a case of Narahama Rasa. If you give a Shtar Kiddushin, then she would be in Me'oreset 100% just with the Shtar, and then if someone would rape her at that point, it would be Narahama Rasa. I'm sorry, wait, so we're saying that Be'ila would make, I'm sorry, uh, what do we... The problem is that the halacha of Nara Hamorasa, that is punishable with skila, only applies if she is a virgin. So how could you have a case where a woman was married to one man and then raped by another man, but she's considered to be a virgin such that he would be punished with skila? No, the answer was, oh, what about anal sex? And we said, no, that's a machlokis tanaim about whether or not an act of anal sex by the husband would count to be, make her be'ula or not. And the question then was to say, ah, so we have a different suggestion, that is, how could she be married without having had sex at all? Answer, shtar. That is, even within this havamina that you might have thought kesef plus bia, which needed to be rejected by quoting the other pasuk, be'ulat ba'al. It's very convoluted sugya, but I think we're at a good place with it right here. Let's just try to make a little bit more uh, um, uh, progress because I know the minion is soon. Just like a star can complete the entire act of divorce on its own, gomer umachnis. Then it can also create the entire chalos of kiddushin as well. Rabbi Yochanan, hai uba'ala. So what does Rabbi Yochanan do with the Pasuk Uvala? That is, once he says, you learn it out all from Be'ulat Baal, to He uses it to learn the fact that a, a wife could be, uh, the Kinyan Kiddushin could be accomplished through sex, but not, nara, not, not Amahayivriya. That is, when a father gives over his daughter as an indentured servant for a few years. You might have learned it by Kavachomer from Yivama. Yivama cannot be uh, uh, the Kinyan for Yivama cannot be established, affected through money, but it could be affected through an act of sex. So an Amahivriya who is acquired through money, should she not also be able to be acquired through sex? No, there's a difference between Yevama and Amahayivriya because Yevama uh, is Zikuka Ve'omeret. She has a different status already. So by Amahayivriya, the Torah connects her to another woman, that is, if the slave master or his son would marry another wife. Ah, so it sounds like Amahayivriya is connected to the notion of being a wife. So they're connected. So you might have thought that just like a wife could be acquired through a sexual act, so too. And that's why Rabbi Yochanan needed to have a special pasuk that is to teach you that a marriage is affected through sex, but not the kinyanim of Amaha Ivriya.